To hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. We've been talking a lot about how disability gets framed as an exception, as a discrete event, that's something to be standardized, to be taxonomized, to really kind of be sort of made legible, even though it can take many different you know, definitions and different contexts, nevertheless, its sort of point is to be turned into something really kind of tangible. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas debility takes us towards, you know, the endemic, the things that are so structural to the conditions of life for entire populations that they would never become so discreet in the first place. Um, But for you, what does debility help us apprehend um, a little differently than disability? First of all, I wanted just to flag Julie Livingston's work because that's where I first started thinking about the term debility. And it's from her book called Debility and the Moral Imagination in Botswana. And but one of the most important things that um, she writes is that she's interested in bodily infirmities that are not regarded as disability because she writes they are expected impairments. Mm. And understood as as such, they are understood as normal or what we're ca- we're calling endemic, right? So there's mm. nothing exceptional about these expected impairments. And she's looking at minors um, who are returning from the mines, usually amputated, right? In that in that context. So, you know, here's a a kind of literature from you know her work and and related works from the from Global South uh, literatures. That's actually, you know, not following the kind of Euro-American uh, models of disability and disability studies or the UN models or um, the NGO models or whatever. She's actually like, actually, these are, this is a kind of lived reality here, which is this idea of disability is not operative um, as a form of sociality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because these are expected impairments. So what kind yes. of sociality is that, right? Um, where where impairments are not exceptionalized and people have, communities have all sorts of modes for, for accommodating those impairments, for understanding how we live with them, you know? So there's a whole other kind of sociality that's organized around these, you know, quote unquote, expected impairments. So that seems really important. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems really important to me. And um, just from a, you know, from from the context of like ethnographic work and work from the global south, the what happened, what happens for me around, you know, debility is a, a couple things. Jules, you mentioned uh, uh, many of these things already. Um, but I, you know, and and for me, debility is kind of intersecting with Lauren Berlant's notion of slow death. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to do with that idea of slow death, it, you know, because you've got the temporal aspect in here that's so important, um, it's the ongoingness. And I think slow death also, uh, first of all, I wanted to infuse the understanding of slow death or the conceptualization of slow death with a kind of geopolitics and biopolitics that understands not only the uneven effects of sl- or the uneven distribution of slow death, say, across classed populations, but I was really thinking about it geopolitically, right? And in terms of empire and imperialism, um, you know, what is the imperial machine in terms of creating uh, ongoing, longstanding um, debilitation? 
you know, debilitation that's not organized around a spectacular event um, Mm. that destabilizes the notion of an event or the notion of a disabling event or disablement, um, which, again, I think that the language of disablement and disabling um, often still concretizes an event, right? Um, For me, debility really looks at, you know, even when there is this kind of disabling event, there's an awareness through debility of the socio-political and geopolitical and historical conditions that give rise to that event, right? Um, and then also the conditions that in, inform the aftermath of, of that event, should there even be an event, right? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, to kind of foreground the biopolitics of the statistical likelihood of being what I call avail- made available for injury, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so, whereas Julie's defining disability within within a broader frame of debility, I'm really thinking about how they need each other uh, in a particular way. They're conceptually kind of codependent on each other because there's they have important functions um, as a relation. And I think debility is not an identification; it's a process. But in particular, disability is a kind of exceptionalization of injury, of bodily condition, of illness within the context of kind of widespread disenfranchisement or what I wind up calling um, debilitation, right? So this obfuscation of debility, you know, is is one, one thing that the category disability does is erase structural debilitation or structural like deep-seated disenfranchisement that i'm now calling debilitation and that's a really important way of understanding what disability um as a taxonomy does is that it then moves our attention away from the non-spectacular the non uh consolidatable the non-legible and so we lose the thread of what is potentially a very galvanizing kind of conceptual and lived reality of debility um, that goes beyond a kind of identity. So that for me, it was also important to think politically about this. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, w- which is like, what can debility galvanize if we all understand ourselves in some relation to debility? And it's not contingent upon a self-other binarization of disabled, non-disabled, which we may well move in and out of or or have as an identity, but we're also connected to others who understand themselves in some relation to debility, then where's the kind of political mobilization potential in that? And, you know, debility also really helped me because I think it, along with destabilizing the binary, it also helped me understand that there's no pure debility and there's no pure capacity, right? That we are, as bodies, um, kind of moving uh, in and out of these realms all the time. And so there's two things in relation to that movement. And one is that debility is kind of intrinsically, you know, you don't have you don't have to argue for um, its relevance in terms of intersectionality. It's intrinsically <laughs> intersectional because debility capacity, you're always kind of in a relation of acknowledging, your advantages, your privileges, and at the same time acknowledging 
where you don't have those privileges, where you don't have those advantages, where you are structurally set up biopolitically in devastating ways. Um, but then also in terms of assemblage, because um, I see debility and capacity kind of always in flux and always in motion and always, you know, moving. And I think that, you know, that leads to, you know, why I think it's so important to think about these things, not just in terms of political mobilization and kind of solidarity organizing um, and how we can kind of galvanize in relation to each other, regardless of our particular bodily situations in any particular moment, right, mm -hmm. um, is, you know, to think about societies of control, which work absolutely through not this self-other binarization, but work through modulation of bodily capacity and debility, right? The biopolitics as a capacity, you know, debility capacity machine. So, you know, the last, the last question that started getting raised for me around all of this was, you know, we talk about in, in relation to Marta Russell's work, you know, how disability becomes profitable. Mm -hmm. um, it becomes profitable through the ADA because you can uh, incorporate disabled workers and pay them less or get kickbacks from the state or, you know, all the other, you know, you're, you're reproducing the demands of capitalism um, through the ADA. And that's a kind of thing that Russell lays out. Um, but then there's also the profitability of the disabled body that cannot work. So your, you know, your profit comes from being in a bed or the care economy that that is, you know, extracting and exploitative around that. But I also started thinking, well, debility is also extremely profitable for capitalism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and how do we think about that? Because that's not how we're thinking about disability. Um, or we are thinking about the profitability of disability, but I think we also have to think about um, what disability erases in relation to debility and how profit is made from that erasure, actually. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could actually, if you're down, speak more on, on that tension a little bit, because yeah. I think it's one of the most important things to understand here. There's a tension, obviously, that's important with the category of disability, right? That some people will never qualify as disabled circumstantially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Disability is an mm -hmm. identity that is denied officially to more than it is given. Um, and that's, mm -hmm. I think, a thing mm -hmm. that, you know, we often don't talk about so much of disability is about recognizing validity and thinking about things expansively. And we don't actually talk about how the state and the kind of national security apparatus often um, will control, minimize, and sort of optimize debility, keeping people out of that social role of the sick, of the disabled, out of that sort of official status, and that that in and of itself is one of the most important ways that the money model of disability that Russell theorized actually exists in society. It's like without the frame of disability is where it's actually most apparent. It's in the people who are denied that subjectivity or for whatever reason, it would be unsafe for them to identify as disabled. And there are so many people who are in this position where, you know, they they experience debility, but they don't count as official or qualified certified disabled. I mean, someone told me in 2019, because I was invisibly disabled, I was not disabled enough to represent disabled people. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that kind of idea of like, well, you know, sort of who is the the subject, right, of 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 even our our theorizing of extraction and of healthcare and sort of of this way that the state tries to manage bodies and sort of, you know, create these ways of understanding both politically and socially what the role of debility is in society is by translating structural processes into individual groups of people with differential diagnoses who are sort of grouped under the umbrella of, you know, experiencing enough debility that can be documented on a medical chart to qualify for disability. And like a lot of times we talk about this in terms of like medicalization and the social model and all of that's fine, but it really doesn't get into like the actual meat of what's going on and how bodies relate to the reproduction of capital and also to the kind of maintenance of the control part of a control society. And I think that's part of why it's really important to understand disability, capacity, disablement, debility. These are not like synonyms. Oftentimes in the kind of like NGO speak, you think of things as being like, oh, this is just a bunch of different words for something and some are more politically correct than others. And so often the language that we use around disability is in that register of like, well, what's the right term to use and what's the proper term to use, which really reflects this kind of negation and and rejection of so many aspects of debility that people live with who will never ever experience being marked as as officially disabled. Yeah, I think that's why it's so important to think of debility and disability as kind of codependent modality, you know, codependent frames and frames that are in relation as opposed to, you know, debility is not describing a body or a population or um, uh, it's more about, I think it's more helpful. Um, and I, I remember, you know, when I, I was thinking about, okay, well, what is debility? I was reading, I was thinking about Spivak and, and mm. guide through Spivak and her idea of the subaltern. And, you know, she's as with all of us and our contradictions and the things we say over the years that contradict other things we've said, <laughs> You know, she has been all over the map in terms of like what the subaltern is. But, I, you know, I think ultimately the most helpful expression of that from her was like it's a relationship. Um, it's a relationship to legibility. It's a relationship to interpolation. It's a relationship to identity and how it's policed. And so it's so important to continue to think about debility as not um, a description necessarily, but a relationship to um, disability. And, you know, so all of the things that you're describing, B, are already kind of part of that relationality, right? Um, The ADA itself already sets up uh, the good disabled from the bad disabled, right? And so in some ways, some ways, that's what we're talking about, right? Like, when I think about, you know, yes, unsafe to identify as disabled. Uh, When I think about, you know, what happens in, in Gaza, um, you know, there's very much so, you know, when we think about the shoot to cripple or shoot to maim policy, and we saw this in full force um, after the book came out. So that mm-hmm. was kind of, you know, heart wrenching for me because I was like, okay, this is playing out exactly and even worse than I ever could have thought it would it could play out in terms of the right to maim. But the targeting of over 7,000 
uh, lower limbs of protesters in the Great March of Return, right, who um, remain in the space of the cripple um, or remain in the space of the debilitated unless they have access to certain kinds of resources um, and discourses that then, you know, allow them to produce themselves as an empowered, visible, disabled subject. I think we can see all the ways in which identifying and being able to uh, be declared disabled or being able to prove that one is disabled can operate as what are the ways in which there's a kind of beneficial economy around being able to identify as disabled, um, being able to be recognized as such. And um, at the same time, disability is used to pathologize you know, raced and colonized bodies, right? And so there's, I think there's always that split economy going on that I was trying to attend to as well. Um, and that the problem with the split economy is also that there's just an aspirational push all the time. Yes, I want to be recognized. Yes, I need, uh, in order to get, you know, access to X resources, um, I want to be recognized. And of course, then then you don't even get into like, well, are there resources? Right. To hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. You'll get access to this and the rest of our catalog of patron-only episodes. And be the first to get a new patron episode every Monday when it drops. With love, the Death Panel.